We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pick it, flush, pressure, throws on the run, caught by Harris for a touchdown! Oh, what a play! And the Steelers take the lead! Tries to rush inside. Huntley comes outside, throws across his body. It is intercepted by Fitzpatrick, and the Steelers stay alive. I don't think it's difficult because, I mean, we still got everything in front of us. Like, depending on how tomorrow go, you know what I'm saying, we still got a chance to play for the AFC North, and then we're still in the playoffs at the end of the day, you know, so we still got all our goals in front of us. I mean, we still getting in the playoffs and got a chance to go get a bowl, so we just got to take it one game at a time. We had the best chance if we won both games. Uh, fell short today, so... Uh, we're in the playoffs, and we're just going from there. We got one more game of the regular season, and get ready for the playoffs. Chuck Clark and Tyler Huntley catching up with the media just moments ago as we welcome you into our instant reaction post-game episode here on the Ravens Vault podcast. I'm Bobby Trossett, joined late night here on the 2nd of January. Happy New Year by my co-host and partner and belated birthday partner, Sarah Ellison. I hope you had a great weekend there. Uh, we can dive into that later. Obviously, there's more pressing issues to talk about right now. And that's honestly at the top to use one of John Harbaugh's phrase that he used right off the top of his media session is essentially Pittsburgh flipped the script and beat Baltimore at its own game tonight and uh, <laughs> in a number of different categories. But that's basically what happened. And for that, sure, you know, Ravens are clinched, right? They're they're postseason bound. But it just felt like deja vu tonight in a lot of ways. And I think over the next you know hour or so on this instant reaction episode, we're probably going to sound and look like broken records. <laughs> Yeah, I've just never – I can't think of a time I've had less confidence in a team that's clinched playoffs with two games left to go in the season. It just uh, – it, it's it's not good enough all around. And I will borrow from Kevin Zeitler, who said that this is a come, coming to Jesus moment, which you don't usually hear that phrase when you're talking about a team that's clinched with two games remaining. But the fact of the matter is Deshaun Jackson's upset, as we can see here. And um, and and why wouldn't he be the the offense in the second half had five possessions. They got a field goal to start and then went over four, went completely cold, completely wasted the opportunity from Brandon, uh, excuse me, Justice Hill, who had a 56 yard kickoff return. All they needed was like a couple of yards to go and get. 
Justin Tucker in field goal range. Um, and instead they went backwards. Uh, I mean, there was nothing working on offense in that second half. I mean, at least in past games, it was like, well, the Ravens just need to fix their red zone offense because they're moving the ball. And they did that again the first half. They lost it the second half. And as you said, the the defense was just on skates. It was completely uh, – they could not stop the Steelers' rushing attack, which, by the way, is not like the Ravens' rushing attack or anybody close to it. The Steelers have, are number 18. They're about average in, in rushing, and they've gotten a bit better over the last couple of weeks. But it's not like this is like the best running game to come uh, since the Lamar Jackson 2019 team. I mean, it just was horrible. And then John Harbaugh admitted to it, and that's great, but changes have to be made. Uh, I feel like when the f- script is flipped on you like that, there's no excuse for it. You've got to start with coaching. And tonight, Mike Tomlin outcoached John Harbaugh and his crew coming into it with his game plan. Uh, they didn't want to repeat what had happened last time when the Ravens went for 215 yards on the ground. So you knew that was going to happen. Uh, you would have hoped that the offense could have come up with something in response. You can't be the same team. Uh, you know, they played against each other, what was it, two or three weeks ago? You can't be the same team. So uh, Mike Tomlin came back with a game plan that definitely worked against the Ravens' offense. And John Harbaugh and his coaching staff came back with a game plan that was a complete dud. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers beat the Ravens at their own game. I mean, you look at every single category in the box score, right? They were 10 of 16 on third down. We were just talking about it before we came on. There were a lot of third and short opportunities there. I get that. And, you know, maybe not make a ton of that, but 351 total yards to Baltimore's 240. The time of possession to me is just a a big takeaway here. 34, 14 total uh, time of possession for Pittsburgh, Baltimore, 25, 46. I mean, that's just not going to cut it. And, uh, Ultimately, that that final turnover in the game's final minute there was the only of the game and ultimately decided the game when Tyler Huntley was just trying to make a play, as he said, or trying to find someone in his postgame press conference. Well, he found Minka Fitzpatrick and Minka found the game ball, which ultimately keeps Pittsburgh in the hunt, Sarah. Now they're at 500 football, eight and eight. We know what was on the line tonight, right? If the Ravens found a way to win this and we know, hey, this is why I and you hate this. I'm not I'm not going to go and do the whole, you know, told you so, whatever. But it's really difficult to beat an in-division rival twice in your season series. And I just didn't see it happening for a number of reasons. But we knew what was on the line tonight, right? If the Ravens won, not only were they sending Pittsburgh home from postseason contention, but they were going to grant Mike Tomlin his first losing season, as you tweeted out, in 16 years. Both of those things did not come to fruition. Pittsburgh's still in the hunt. And to your point off the top, it just feels as if it's a ticking time bomb right now. And we've been watching this, this, this above average team, yes, unravel in recent weeks because of how average they are in key categories like red zone efficiency. And um, and ultimately, you and I both feel like, and I think a good percentage of the fan base feels as if it's inevitable. Uh, An early playoff exit is inevitable based on the way that they're conducting business operationally right now as a team in all three phases. 
Yeah, and real quick here, Bobby, this tweet that you have up of mine, I'm actually incorrect. They were not knocked out of winning the division. <laughs> I might be getting ahead of myself. I mean, I think that's inevitable. Uh, technically speaking, if the Steelers were, or excuse me, if the um, uh, Bengals were to lose against the Bills Monday night uh, and then the Ravens, <laughs> through some miracle, were able to beat the Bengals, then they could still win the division. So I just wanted to correct that, that that was technically wrong, but uh, I feel pretty confident that that's what's going to end up happening. So, um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's just at this point, there's only so many things that can be done to um, on offense specifically to salvage it. And the number one thing is that you would have to have a healthy Lamar Jackson. Um, I don't think we're going to see him in this regular season. I don't think that you put him in, you know, harm's way uh, with a game that, I mean, I just don't know. I just don't think they're going to beat, beat the Bengals with Lamar having a couple days of practice after missing uh, four weeks now. Uh, but that's really the only hope is that Lamar Jackson comes back healthy. And then even then, He'd have to be Superman, and even then, I don't trust Greg Roman's situational play calling. So, um, I mean, just time and time again, you would get in situations, and it's just like, again, pulling your hair out. What What is Greg Roman calling? Like, every time they get into the red zone, he abandons J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. By the way, Gus Edwards had three carries for two yards. Three carries for two yards. J.K. Dobbins had, his, has, had a career high with 17 carries for 93 yards. So, yeah, so so I guess that's the question going forward. I mean, there's no doubt uh, Greg Roman's play calling is scary. John Harbaugh was outcoached by Mike Tomlin. Tyler Huntley is not the answer. I know it was, you know, you, again, you always have whoever's out there. You have their back, but... Just from the beginning, it's always been like, ah, maybe the Ravens can move on from Lamar and Tyler's the guy. And it's like, no, these two guys are not the same. There are levels, and there are about 50 different levels in between these two guys. Um, Tyler Huntley, I mean, he was disappointing even in his answer after the game. I don't know if did you see him when, when they said, Jameson asked him, hey, what, what were you looking for on that, inter, on that last throw where it ended up being a pick? And he's like, shoot, somebody. You know, like, that was it. Like, that was it. That would shoot somebody. And then he said somebody to make a play. And then Minka ended up making a play. So somebody made a play. But, you know, it wasn't him. It wasn't any of the Ravens receivers. Perhaps, I mean, Collinsworth thought that maybe Tyler Huntley could have hit um, Mark Andrews if he threw it over top. I don't know if that would have been there either. But um, but did you, when the, when the, when the offense had 56 seconds, and even though you have the greatest kicker in NFL history, did you have any confidence that they were going to go half the length of the field to set him up for a field goal? Because I didn't. No, I didn't have confidence, but I also I also felt like based on what Tyler's put on tape before re like the, the Denver game, I thought that it wasn't out of the question. And we all know Justin's range. They only needed 30, 35 yards. So I thought to myself, you know, this is doable, but yeah, at that point, you're just, you're getting no production outside of the tight ends. Mark Andrews finishes with nine receptions, hundred yards. Like you said, a great, 
a, a great game for Mark and, and great to see him back involved and, and, and getting after it. Isaiah likely had a, a phenomenal touchdown catch and a phenomenal route ran on, on, um, on one of the DBs for Pittsburgh there. But outside of there, you have two combined catches and 18 combined receiving yards from your receivers. And it's just, it's a carbon copy yet again of what continues to be the Achilles heel for this team. And uh, the lack of a vertical passing attack, you know, the one pass Sarah that I think went over, you know, actually traveled in the air more than 20 yards was to a tight end was to Josh Oliver. And it was a, it was a stinker play. So yeah, it's, and I'm not saying like, you know, is, is that the Pittsburgh Baltimore rivalry? No, like Pittsburgh didn't do much of that either. That, that catch from George Pickens was absurd, but I mean, that, that thing <laughs> yeah. was filthy, but, and, and you know, it's funny. I was thinking about when we had Brooke Pryor on the first time these yeah. two teams met and, and the topic of conversation that week in Pittsburgh was like sort of the drama that George was, was stirring up kind of like the old TO used to do. Like I, I need the ball. You need to give me the ball now. And he was stirring it up with the media and, uh, Man, I see why he's talking that junk, Sarah. This dude's for real. He's got a pair of hands, but um, it, it's the same old story for Baltimore. And that's why I feel like in a few weeks from now, uh, a couple weeks from now, honestly, we're going to be having a, a very similar conversation, uh, probably after a primetime game and in, in, uh, on a Saturday or Sunday in January. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the way things are looking, I mean, who knows, but Ravens, the way it's looking to me, the Ravens are going to travel on the road to uh, either the Bengals or the Bills uh, in round one. And um, which is why we're already getting questions here tonight about, you know, <laughs> like coaching changes and and all of that kind of stuff. It's already kind of kind of rolling in. But it's just like I, I feel like the thing on on. Um, I guess we could just move to this. Jonah's talking about the seating here since I brought it up. Ravens path number five seed. Bengals beat Bills Monday. Ravens beat Bengals. Broncos beat Chargers. Otherwise, it's a number three seed. AFC North Tire or a number six seed. Yeah, I think it's going to be the sixth seed. Uh, I, I and don't... remember too, like we we all know that the NFL is going to wait to see who wins tomorrow night, right? Between between Cincinnati and Buffalo, and if Cincinnati wins, then they win the division outright, yeah. and that makes the regular season finale meaningless. You yeah. know, in terms of yeah. in terms of the division, if Buffalo wins, then ultimately there's going to be something to, to the division still going to be up for grabs. And I would probably suspect that next Sunday you and I will be doing another primetime game, maybe or at least the the later window. So just keep that in mind. We'll probably know, you know, in the next 24 hours or so, probably Tuesday at some point when when they're actually set to play in the regular season finale. I mean, I just I'm just trying to figure out, like, what's the path forward um, you know, the, 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 the Sunday night football crew, um, put up this stat in the middle of the game that in Lamar Jackson starts basically since he became a starter in 2018, week 11, the Ravens averaged 28 points per game. And then the 18 games that he missed the, the other, the other starting QBs and the Ravens scored 18 points. I mean, that's a 10 point differential. And again, the offense though was lacking before he got hurt. So they weren't putting up 28 points per game, you know, in those few games leading up to it. So uh, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out the the path forward. I mean, if you're playing, I mean, maybe if, if they somehow get the fifth seed, which I just don't see happening, I just don't think Lamar is going to be back for, for this, this week 18. 
Um, yeah, here's another one. Since they're by, the Ravens' offense is averaging 14.1 points per game. It's just not enough points. There's just not enough points. So, listen, if you're trying to be hopeful, it's like, okay, if Lamar is back with both J.K. and Gus, we haven't seen that in two years, and then maybe, maybe Greg Roman will just stick to them, not only to get to the red zone, but once they once they get to the red zone, then maybe they have a chance of putting up points. But I just don't know that, that Lamar is going to be healthy in time, and I don't know that I trust Greg Roman. It just I just don't see a path forward here. Aaron Harrison's checking in through our Facebook comment section. And I thought this was a good point too. You know, he wanted to know what was up with the failure to game plan around stopping TJ Watt. And uh, well, TJ had him. Well, obviously TJ's the reigning NFL defensive player of the year. So we got to give him that kind of respect. He commands that respect. He's a freak of nature out there. And he laid some hardwood on Tyler Huntley a couple times tonight. But what he did to Morgan Moses tonight, Sarah was, was downright filthy <laughs> more often than not. And I know Morgan was a little bit banged up at some point. He had a an equipment issue at one point, but then he actually left for a little while. And McCary came in at right tackle. So there was somewhat of a revolving door there, but who cares? Because TJ Watt just had his way the entire night. Yeah, I mean, listen, he he uh <laughs> He took advantage of of Morgan Moses, who, by the way, Morgan Moses was has been playing very well. Uh, I I believe that the you know something like in the last month he'd been playing as the top uh, run defender. Um, two plus two games. What was the two months? Yeah. Oh, two months. Two months. Okay. I was like, I was pretty sure it was one of the two games. Yeah, two months. According to Spencer. And, okay. Yeah. So two months, I mean, he just he just bested him. There was one time where uh, Patrick Ricard was, uh, you know, coming over to, 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 to hit him and just completely missed him. I mean, it's it's uh, it's TJ Watt. But but yeah, I mean, you're just you just got to keep hitting him and chipping him. And even when you do all that, he's going to come and. The NBC, the NBC crew had a stat, which I didn't save save, but. They were one in six without TJ Watt. I think that was the stat while he was injured. And now, I mean, the Steelers were dead in the water. And this is just yet another lesson to never underestimate them and to never count them out. Um, because TJ Watt comes back and then somehow Tomlin finds a way. And it just happens year in and year out where you think they're dead and they come back. And before you would think, well, it's because they have Roethlisberger and it's like, no, they're still, they're still doing this crap, you know? And, yeah. but I mean, TJ Watt, I mean, that just lets you know, it's not, it's not just against the Ravens, although that's not an excuse, but to go from one and six while he's out to coming back and being in playoff contention is unbelievable that, that he, that he has that kind of impact. Yeah. Oh yeah. He, he consistently wreaks havoc on the Ravens offensive line. And he always feels like, Feels like he always saves his best performances. But, you know, speaking of best performances, Pittsburgh saved its best performance for the fourth quarter, putting up 10 total points. And Kenny Pickett, Sarah, had his rookie moment. Like, that was it. You know, that pass when he was dead to rights with JPP there in space somehow found a way to, to sneak out of that and and led Najee Harris so perfectly in a tight spot there in the end zone, which was pretty well covered. That's his moment. We got to give him... We got to give him his credit, right? I think this guy is, 
his mobility really impresses me. And the fact that he took some big hits tonight too. I, I thought, I don't know if I was just watching the game differently, Sarah, but this felt like a little bit different than the first time around when these two teams played, there was more on the line and the physicality, especially, Oh my, the, 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 some of the hits that Najee Harris was taking Roquan laying the, the wood down Chuck Clark, man, his physicality was through the roof. This, this, this was ugly. This was evil in the trenches <laughs> and, uh, and ultimately, you know, Pittsburgh prevailed. And like we said, they really, they beat the Ravens at their own game, but, uh, but we got to give Kenny his due because he made the plays when he needed the most. And they're in the fourth quarter. I, what does it always feel like the quarterbacks coming of age games coming against the Ravens? <laughs> it's just I knew like, you were going to say that. Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> well, it happened with the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence, where like he comes down and, you know, had this phenomenal come from behind uh, drive. And, you know, here we've got Pickett doing the same thing. And it's just like, you know, why? And then it, it comes up again and again. Listen, I'm putting the vast majority of the blame of this game on coaching and the, and the offense. Um, I, again, I just think that Mike Tomlin out, out coached John Harbaugh tonight, but that said, it's so frustrating to see the defense um, give up a game winning drive again. And don't get me wrong. They have been at the time of possession, especially in that second half when the Ravens offense just kept punting so listen, this is asking a lot of the defense. So I'm not, you know, for, forgiving or excusing anybody else. But but it's not like this again is Josh Allen. It's not like this is again, um, you know, the Bengals and their their offense. It's not like this is the Chiefs. This is a Steelers offense that is led by Matt Canada, who is probably the only other offensive coordinator who gets ripped on just as much as Greg Roman, you know, this is, this is a rookie quarterback. And so to allow that game winning drive again is so frustrating because that has been the defense's Achilles heel this entire season is just finishing. And, you, you know, they get it under control for a couple of weeks and it just comes back. It just happens way too often. Yeah. And I know you're just being like constructively picky with that comment. Right. And I, I totally yeah, yeah, agree. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like we're asking a lot of the defense and and my gosh, the back-to-back -back three out three and outs back-to-back um, yeah. -back drives there in the fourth quarter, just brutal for, especially when you think about what you're asking of the defense to just quit. You just got huge stops. And now wait a second. Hey fellas, get off those benches, get off those seat warmers. You're getting back out there. Like that is just bone crushing, you know, almost like soul crushing in the moment because of how physical th this kind of Raven Steelers game is with everything on the line. And so between that and just the, the, the missed opportunities, you know, like oh. you mentioned it, you mentioned it at the top and Jeff, tweeted it out here. I'll throw it up on the screen again, you know, for justice Hill to come flying out with a phenomenal cut, phenomenal vision and burst, man, I, him in open space as a return specialist is awesome to see. And it's so nice to see, especially in a John Harbaugh led team, you know, with how much he values special teams and whatnot. We all know that with Gus and, and JK in this system, the justice has been in these last few years, 
he's been asked to play a lot of special teams and he's a very valuable special teamer as we both know, but it's nice to see him get rewarded, you know, with, uh, with Devin Duvernay going down and him kind of being that guy, you know, as a return specialist, non punts, of course, cause that goes to Prochet. Uh, a 56 yard return, Sarah was, was phenomenal, but literally three minutes later and a three and out, it's just a huge missed opportunity. And I think I'm with Jeff. I mean, it was a major, major turning point in this game that, you know, where, where points were, were, were certainly coming at a premium. Missed opportunities is like the phrase of the day, because we're talking about the missed opportunity on that play. You're talking about the missed opportunity to like put a nail in the coffin of your rivals, the missed opportunity to, um, you know, put yourself in a position that just like makes you feel good about yourself going into the playoffs. I mean, it just is like missed opportunities everywhere. Missed opportunity, by the way, to win when the refs, in my view, pretty much gifted the Ravens another shot at that touchdown. Now the Ravens had to execute and Isaiah likely ran a great route to get into the end zone and Tyler Huntley hit him uh, perfectly, perfectly timed. Uh, but, but if it weren't for the refs, I mean, that would have been another another three points. So take advantage, exploit exploit those opportunities when they happen because there's going to be big calls that go against you in other games. So when they go for you in these games, again, it's a missed opportunity. There, like, there was no other touchdowns being scored, so it's another missed opportunity. And I think that's probably what's most frustrating is that it's like right there. It's so right there. And it's another time where the Ravens had a 10-point lead, Bobby. A 10-point lead, so you have a two-possession lead. They're up by 10 midway through the third quarter, about nine nine or so minutes left, and it's just like missed opportunity, and those are the most frustrated. It's when it's like when you get blown out, you know, you can be angry, but the missed opportunity is just more frustrating because it's right there within reach, even when nobody, you know, expects a ton from you. But when you you just toy with their hearts when it's right there, and, and you can't you can't just grasp it when it's right there. It's like one of those bad dreams. You ever have those dreams, Bobby, where you're like trying to run, but you can't run or whatever, or something is right here and you can't reach it. Like that's it. It's just this bad nightmare that keeps happening. I have a really hard time, like remembering dreams for whatever reason. And I feel like the times that you have dreams, you have them like vividly seared into your brain. And I'm over here, like tripping over not being able to remember it. It's so weird. I I don't know. Is that like a, nutrition thing or lack of nutrition thing i don't know <laughs> i doubt it but i do i do remember dreams pretty pretty much yeah yeah big time hey, anyway that's a conversation for should... another time yeah yeah, yeah let's, let's get to a couple super chats before josh right. blows our head off because we know he gets a little upset when we don't answer him so let's give him a little bit of love here if you guys want to uh throw us a little donation for tonight's stream we're, we're coming up on 500 people by the way in this in this um, simulcast tonight, which is a new record for us. So thanks so much for your support. If you haven't already done so, please consider subscribing to the channel. It was a phenomenal turnout tonight, earlier tonight, I should say, at Pickett Brewing Company. I can share more about that later. And, and a huge thanks to our pal, Kadri Ismail, for staying the entire stream, Sarah. I mean, he was just awesome. So uh, I know that I know that you and I couldn't connect just based on time-wise, but there'll be plenty more opportunities moving forward. 499 from Josh Hoffman. We appreciate the support. What do you think of the Sunday night football crew saying the Ravens went all in building this offense for Lamar? To me, it smelled like a radioactive dirty lie. I don't, I don't see how that's the case there. Do you? Uh, I know what Josh is speaking to. Yeah. I think there's definitely a large segment 
of Ravens fans and especially those that have followed Lamar from the college scene where um, under Bobby Petrino, um, it was more of a passing attack. It wasn't, it wasn't what we're seeing right now under Greg Roman. They're very, very different to two different offenses. Um, I would say they're, I wouldn't call it a radioactive dirty lie um, because I do think that they did, but in a way that, that they saw fit. So there's, like I said, there's plenty of people who believe that the Ravens are, are doing it wrong about around Lamar, but you don't hear that from national analysts. Right. And so, but, but if, if you look at um, the way the offense was run under Joe Flacco, for example, it's just a very, very different offense. It's hard to deny that. The question to me is more like, is it the right offense to build around Lamar Jackson? But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, in the Ravens' mind, that's why you have a Patrick Ricard, this this three hundred plus pound fullback, because you want to be this run first team with perhaps one of the best, not perhaps in my mind, the best running quarterback ever. But that doesn't mean he can't throw the ball. And so I think that's Josh's point: is that you don't have to build it in this way. Um, and but the Ravens did change a lot of personnel uh to to do it this way and maybe maybe it's true that the ravens want to continue their old school identity which is that they're a defense first kind of like think back to the 2000 with jamal lewis running first or whatever and so maybe that's why they wanted to get lamar and and become that kind of team i don't know if it was they wanted to become that team and got lamar or they got lamar and they thought that they had to do it but i do think the offense changed uh with lamar it's just a question of, do you think it was the right move? I guess it's also like nitty gritty. Okay. Have they built it around him schematically for what Greg Roman's calling card is? Yeah. With loading up on tight ends, running backs, you know, heavy personnel. But I guess what Josh is getting at and to your point too, Sarah, like from his college days, they don't have the, we all know that. Yeah. They, they've left him high and dry at the wide receiver position outside. And, and that will, you know, unfortunately continue to be a major Achilles heel and, and something that continues to hold this offense back. Appreciate you uh, dropping by the stream tonight, Josh Chike checking in our guy, very loyal subscriber of ours. Happy new year to you as well, pal. And uh, <laughs> he's a little fired up tonight. Who should our next head coach be? We knew this was coming, Sarah. The names he'd like to consider, Sean Payton, offensive mastermind, uh, D'Amico Ryan's defensive guy, couple names there. I, look, I, I don't think Greg Roman's going to be back. I think that's obviously run its course at this point. And I think you were really astute to make that observation that uh, a couple weeks ago now that John kind of got up at the podium and sort of said that Greg needed to be better indirectly and then directly at one point, And you sort of said, Hey, a similar sentiments began this time last year with wink and some of his aggressiveness and from a defensive play calling standpoint. So I do think that's run its course, but um, Hey, three head coaches in 26 years, I'd be pretty shocked if Steve pulls the plug on him after this year. Yeah, I would be shocked as well. Yeah, I definitely would. I just feel like the longer that Greg Roman sticks around, the more and more people are going to keep yelling at John Harbaugh, you know, within a certain segment, of fans, uh, you know, they feel like he um, holds on to, as they put it, his guys for too long. 
So I guess here's my question because I, I have been over, you know, Greg, Greg Roman for, for some time. Can you make a, a coaching, an offensive coordinator change when you don't know what's happening with your starting quarterback? Right. I mean, you just said it a second I mean, you ago. Can, you can, but I'm <laughs> just saying like, is there more to that than we're like, because there's so much anger for Greg Roman, like, like, are we thinking through all of that? Because I just feel like that's, that's a tough, that's a tall task when, I don't know. I don't know when Lamar's coming back. Um, so, I mean, you can, I'm just like, there's a lot to that, right, Bobby? I mean, there's a lot more than yeah. if Lamar had been playing this whole time and you're like, okay, let's get, let's get, move on from it, from Greg Roman. Yeah. Uh, my first thought is that if, if, if it continues to be uncertain, long-term, which it certainly feels as if it's headed in that direction. I've been on record for saying that I think he's franchise tag bound Tariko and Collinsworth covered that thoroughly tonight. I believe it's in the 44, $45 million range for 2023. And then 2024 is spiked to, you had these numbers not long ago on the, uh, on a, on a topic on the vault. I think it was like in the 50 range, 52, if I'm not mistaken. For, for what is this? I'm sorry. I'm talking about the franchise tag annual salaries for Lamar in what would be year oh. six and seven. I think it's 44 or 45 in year. I mean, it doesn't really matter, but I think it's somewhere in the 44 to 45 range in year six and then uh, 50 to 52 in what would be year seven. But anyway, let's say let's say that the uncertainty continues with him long term that would and they want to get rid of Roman aren't they going to go ahead and hire internally you know just promote internally whether it's Urban Martin or Williams guys that are you would like to think are being groomed under Harbaugh to continue this scheme to continue this offensive philosophy uh, maybe but i think that would i guess that's what i guess that's what you you have to like accept that reality is that Greg Roman is here because the Ravens are employing want to employ this style of offense with Lamar Jackson. This is what they want to do. They envision a run first team with Lamar Jackson. So if you're going to be run first, why not have perhaps one of the best running coordinators in the game? So, so if they're just going to go get another version or a lesser version of Greg Roman, are you really pleasing any of the fans that are, that are calling for his head, right? Perhaps, you could get somebody who's at least a better situational play caller though, <laughs> you know, that maybe, maybe there's the upside of that, but I don't think that's going to satisfy too many if they just try to continue with the Greg Roman offense with a different guy. Um, so, so, so yeah, they, they, they gotta, they gotta figure that all out. And, and, you know, I would love, I mean, everybody wants to put words into Lamar Jackson's uh, mouth, which is, you know, everybody thinks that they know what he wants but I really would be interested in, you know, if he would talk about it, but he's, he's never, ever, ever going to throw a teammate or a coach under the bus. But I would really like to hear what offense, you know, he feels like he would excel in best because you never get any sort of hints that he's angry about, you know, anything. All, all he's ever said is, you know, if I had a choice to, to, between running and passing, he prefers to pass. Right. That's what he wants to do. And yet he also says, you know, but I'll also do what it takes to win the game. But I would be I would be very interested. But, yeah, I think people would just be even more and more upset if they just got another version of Greg Roman.
Another YouTube super chat flying in this time from CJ Lavender. He writes, people forget that JK, Lamar, Gus, and Stanley haven't played together. Stanley played six games in 2020. Ingram and Gus were the starters. Having these four healthy will completely change this offense. And the only issue with that, CJ, is that <laughs> they, God willing, those four will only end up probably being together for a wild card game. And if they win, okay, sure. They can maybe start to stack some games in January, but Sarah, it may end up only being one game and, and we'll see what their future is as a, as a core four with this team. Yeah. But I, I feel what CJ saying here. I mean, I've been, I've been waiting so long to see those guys together again. I mean, he makes, I mean, yeah, this is exactly what we've wanted to see. Uh, but as you said, the problem is, is like, the first time we're going to be able to see it is maybe the wild card. And that could be, it seems like most likely right now, either the Bengals or the, or the bills. So um, I sure would love to see that again. And, and I definitely think they'd be scoring more than one touchdown per game or less. And I think they'd have more success in the red zone for sure with four, all four of those guys together. But um yeah, it's just, again, that's asking a lot of those four guys if they only get, one game together in the playoffs. It's just, it's really too bad though. It's really too bad the last two years, not being able to see them together. Talk about a missed opportunity. It just makes you almost sick because you realize how talented those four guys are and to not have them together. I mean, that that's what the essence of this offense is supposed to be. And we just haven't been able to see it for two years. Solely based on availability or lack thereof. You yeah. know, that's, that's just the reality there. Next one coming in here from, and again, we're, we're kind of uh, entering a Q and a portion of tonight, I guess, Sarah, we're going off on our own little thing here. Hey, there's lots of, there's lots of questions. There's obviously a uh, high emotions right now. Cause it just feels like, again, it's, it's a broken record kind of thing that we're talking about over and over again. And, um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and feel confident that if Lamar were to be back for a wild card game in mid January against one of the AFC elites, which they now sit in the sixth seed position, like we mentioned, you know, you're going to be playing one of those top three seeds. I, I just can't sit here and feel optimistic or confident. And this is no disrespect to Lamar because we know he is the ultimate game changer. And I'm not sure that any other team league wide out of all 32 organizations um, has put all of their eggs in one player's basket more so than Baltimore has. I'm not sure that one player aside from maybe Mahomes is more valuable to his team. Uh, and we've seen that we've seen why, I mean, okay. Does the win loss record show it? No, but the offensive statistics show that. And I think it backs up that statement since he went down in the Denver game. Anyway, we are uh, Q and a right now. So let's bring in Brett Vanderhart's question. Do you have any insight on if we may see a Jabo in the playoffs? This question comes, of course, after he was a healthy scratch in this one. He made his debut a couple of weeks ago, just one defensive snap, a couple in the special teams department, Sarah. And I'm not sure what to make of this one other than the fact that uh, this is um, obviously sort of been a wash for him this year because of the torn Achilles. The outside linebacker room has been fairly, it was super productive at one point this year it's cooled off a little bit but the depth is still there and i think all those things considered um on top of you know the the fact that he is a rookie and he's trying to come back from a pretty significant injury in a, in a, in a 22 year old's body i'm not sure we're going to see much of him even if they do make a playoff run uh yeah no i don't expect to see him not not because i don't 
want to see him. I just am seeing what's happening in the last since he's been healthy. And uh, he's been activated for one game. And I think in that one game, he had one snap. Um, I don't see that changing. And, and, um, but we're not in practice to see what's going on there. Uh, it's clear that the Ravens offense, it's just so crazy because the, the offensive or the outside linebackers had a pretty good little streak going on with pressure. And it was so nice to see. And it was so refreshing between Houston and JPP and then, um, you know, Tyus Bowser came back like around that time is when they, it seemed like they were hitting their stride and then they've just gone quiet. Like it just felt like outside of safety blitzes with Kyle Hamilton tonight versus the Steelers, I guess I should, I should say last night because it's now 1243. Um, they've just got, they just got no pressure on him. I think Houston came close once. Uh, Matabike got to him at some point, uh, but that was more of a coverage sack. So, um, so to me, it seems like there'd be opportunity because the last several games, they haven't been getting after quarterbacks. And at the same time, if they haven't pulled the trigger yet, I, to me, that means something's going on that they're seeing in practice that maybe they just don't think he's quite ready yet. Yeah. Sarah too. Like, I just felt like on third down too, aside from that awesome, perfectly timed, blitz there from from Kyle Hamilton nice call there from Mike McDonald and he laid the wood on Kenny pretty good there Kenny looked like he was seeing stars after that hit matter of fact but uh it just seemed like on third down they were not getting home pressure wasn't even a remote thing and and for that and some of their short yardage situations like I mentioned earlier on uh Pittsburgh was super super successful on third down last night to the tune of 10 for 16 in that department I mean that's going to that's that's super efficient, uh, but you know, it's it's just it's it's frustrating. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's get a couple more in here. Q&A's Michael dropping in. Appreciate the donation. Why are we picking up Sammy Watkins and Deshaun Jackson if we're only getting two catches for a combined 18 yards, like I mentioned a few minutes ago from the wide receivers? You know what's funny about this, Sarah, is like, wasn't it almost like a tease when Sammy came in and went for that 40-plus yarder <laughs> on Christmas Eve? And then he just like, you're thinking to yourself, wow, what a what a great story he's going to be if this continues. And then it's just like he disappears, the play calls for him disappear, or Tyler. You know, something that Chris said tonight I wrote a mental note down on was that after Tyler, and this is just the development of an undrafted quarterback, you know, the evolution of a, of a development of an undrafted quarterback. But Chris's observation 
was that after his first read, after the play design, yep. and he goes through his first read, you know what I'm exactly what I'm talking about. I was going to bring it up. His, I was going to bring it up. Yep. His second read is to drop the, tuck the football and run, you know, and that's just how it is. And so uh, I, 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 I sense that that could be a factor in this, right? But let's also not sit here and think that if Lamar was under center, that Sammy would have turned into this all pro dude, pro bowl dude in, in a overnight, like, come on, that'd just be foolish of us. I'll tell you exactly why they're picking up Sammy Watkins and, and Deshaun Jackson, because they're cheap. <laughs> yeah, honestly. That's the Ravens way. They don't yeah. they don't invest in in wide receivers. They they not with not with cap dollars. Uh nope. you know, and so like again, yeah, I don't know I don't know what we would expect with either of these guys. Number one, you have Greg Roman. And the, and the Ravens, who do, don't have a high volume of passing anyway, then you don't have a sophisticated passing scheme. So there's two things already behind you. Now you've got a backup quarterback, as you just said, who after one read seems to like, you know, roll out, especially to his right and kind of bail, which is, by the way, what he did on that pick is he had one read, he rolls out to his right. So they're like, sweet, we'll just be here waiting on his at the right because he can't scramble for this with, with the time on the clock and whatever. So... Um, but that's why they picked them up is because they don't have any others and they are not expensive. It's the Ravens. It's the Ravens way at wide receiver. It's a philosophical flaw, team building flaw that they are just, I mean, it's, it's just outdated at this point, you know, it's 2023 now. And I don't know from, from a team building standpoint, until they start truly investing in the wide receiver position, like we've talked about, ad nauseum in all kinds of different episodes over the last few months that I just feel like this is going to be the ultimate outcome. They're going to be an above average team. They're 10 and six. They're above average. They got a wild, they, they clinched a wild card spot a week ago before Christmas, before January. They're above average, but they're not the I, AFC elites. You know? No. And I, and I think that, and I could be wrong because maybe I felt this way for at least through 2020. Um, but I think 2019 gave so much hope, right? That a run first offense could be sensational, right? And that they just maybe played a bad game once the playoffs came around. And then, you know, 2020 happened. It was a COVID year. So you're like, okay, that was a weird year. They'll get back to 2019. And then 2021 happened and it was the season of, you know, of injuries from hell. And then now this season's happening. And, and to that one comment's point of like, well, we still haven't had Lamar and Gray or uh, JK and Gus and Stanley together for two years. And so it's like, are they going to keep holding out hope that this, this philosophy works because we just haven't been healthy enough for it for us to repeat 2019. And so as long, if that's, if that's what's going on, I lost that hope after 2021. I can, I gave I gave I had plenty of patience after 2021. It was hard for me to say yes, make sweeping changes after last year. Like, who do you really blame? You know, coaching wise and like, you know, building rosters and all that kind of stuff when you have that many that many injuries. And so it's it's just hard to make a statement about. The, that philosophy when you have that many injuries. But um, but either way, after that 2020 game, I remember right after the playoffs, I was like, the Ravens have to 
they have to have at least a respectable passing game. And I think that's the thing that frustrates me the most. And I've said this before. If you want to be defense first and run first, I can live with that, but not to the point, not to the extreme that the Ravens take it. This extreme of the Sammy Watkins of the world and the Deshaun Jacksons of the world and the, you know, just constantly, I mean, in the bottom, I, I think over the last 10 years, the Ravens have, haven't spent more than number 26, or maybe there's one out of one out of the last 10 years, they were above spending number 26, like at the wide receiver position. To me, they just take it to an extreme that that just isn't that just is not workable in my view. Sarah, at one at one point, and this percentage is probably just a little bit off because I think it was it was tweeted out mid game. But uh, Baltimore has been the NFL's worst red zone offense in Lamar's absence with just over twenty two point two percent conversion rate. And uh, that's just one of the many kind of what you're getting at. It's just not good enough. You know, I was thinking about too, like, I don't know if they're like built in excuses or not, but like you said, kind of like the 2020 season was, Oh, you know, that was the, the pandemic ridden season. And then 2021 was kind of, or I'm sorry, 2019 was like, wow, they went on a magical ride. And then they just fell flat. You know, they had the bye week. They fell flat on a bomby night in January to a better Tennessee team. 2020. Oh man, it was a pandemic year, really weird year. You know, 2021, the injuries, like you said, but one thing I remembered about 2020 was, um, do you remember like for some of their young wide receivers that they drafted, you know, they didn't have a full training camp under their belts. Like we really should probably give them some grace here. What? Like, I, I guess I kind of like at the, in the, at the time, maybe I even like said that or maybe acknowledged it, but now I look back and I'm like, I, I don't know if I buy into that at all. Yeah, no, some grace goes maybe for like September but not like several years <laughs> like sure we'll give him september to to try to try to catch back up here so uh yeah no what else no. we got super chats are flying in tonight we appreciate you yeah, guys they so are. much thank for... you very much everybody well we'll just keep doing this all night if the super chats keep coming in here bobby yeah, yeah absolutely it's it's 12 for those that are going to be listening into podcast form in the days following it is 12 51 a.m eastern i probably lack a little pop in my voice tonight because of well the, the current time and two because Kadri and i did a uh a two hour long live stream from Pickett Brewing Company, just a couple blocks away from ironic too, Pickett Brewing Company and who came and had his moment in Baltimore tonight. You know, I mean, Kenny Pickett, but yeah. um, Kadri, we had a great night and it was just really well attended. And we met, I met so many of our vault listeners, Sarah. And that's what I texted you about earlier tonight that I was just, my, my heart was, was full. I left, I, I left that restaurant feeling full because I met a listener of ours who's on a holiday break right now who lives in Dublin. He came over by himself, Patrick from, from Ireland, literally like a huge Ravens fan, huge listener of the vault. He was just one of the many folks, Rob, I met our guy, Robbie uh, Pate, who, who tends to send over some donations to us uh, just out of the kindness of his own heart. So it's just one of those moments where, you know, we've been grinding so hard at this. We've been creating daily content and and putting our all into this and working around the clock. But when you meet the folks that you have like an indirect relationship with, because you either see them as like a download or like a subscriber or whatever, you don't see their face or their name, it just puts it on a whole new playing field. So uh, just want to share that. that with you. 
everybody was wondering where you were. I had to kind of notify them like, Hey, you know, we do this podcast remotely, you know, she's out of market. She's, <laughs> yeah. she's got, she's got four kids. She's got a life over there in Ohio, you know? <laughs> well, I love that they're traveling to come to that. I mean, obviously one of these days I'll have to, to come out to Baltimore, uh, for a game, uh, yeah, the babysitting thing is 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 a is a challenge, but yeah, one of these days we'll we'll definitely get that. But I love to see that they're traveling down to kind of see you and and whatnot. So uh, I just love it. It just it just keeps it just keeps growing, just keeps growing, and I love it. Uh, again, thanks so much for the donations tonight. We have over five hundred people in this in this uh, simulcast, which is on my Facebook page, which is on the Ravens vault podcast, YouTube channel, and on my personal YouTube channel as well. So thank you so much. If you haven't already done so, and you've been enjoying our content, please consider subscribing, telling a friend it's free as long as you have a Gmail account. And then just to push this video out to as many people who are stuck in their ways right now. Like we feel stuck in our ways, describing what the, the current deficiencies are with this team. Uh, please like the video so we can push this thing out and hopefully get discovered by more Ravens fans. Next super chat feature is coming in. It's from JL. Look, you have a very stingy defense. You have the greatest kicker on earth and a game changing quarterback who averages 28 points per game and wins 75% of his games. Let's effing go. I mean, that's some optimism that we need as the clock almost hits 1 a.m. and my eyes are literally shutting. How about you? <laughs> hey, man, I, I, I see myself as an optimistic person and, and JL is definitely beating me. Um, I think that's all tr on paper. That all sounds great. That all sounds great. I, you know, I agree. I, I just, I guess I also question even when Lamar does, play if he plays uh, I think we all just keep, keep assuming he's going to play and maybe it's because of those initial reports those initial reports coming from Shafter which was that it was going to be one to three weeks and then and then Rappaport comes out and he's saying oh they expect him back in Atlanta and then it wasn't Atlanta and then now it's not the Steelers and so is it like is it worth bringing him out against the Bengals and I guess it all depends and then I hear reports from from reporters who actually have seen Lamar walking around, Jeff Zrebeck being one, saying that he still has a clear limp. Uh, that's a problem, you know? And so, so when you see the combination of what we just saw tonight, where the only touchdown comes from, it comes after a questionable call that gives them another shot at it from the refs, and then you have a second half where you only score three points, and at that point you're not even like, going between the 20s anymore which is what they used to be you know they've done in, in in weeks past uh then it's it's hard you know it's it's hard to have that optimism but i i appreciate jl for having it and if lamar were healthy um then i guess it's possible i don't want to steal that optimism i don't want to shut it down Oh, we need some optimism right now. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> this fan base needs some optimism. We're clinging for optimism. Appreciate the donation, JL, and, and thanks so much for popping on tonight's stream. What else we got going on here? Donovan Carter missed this one from earlier on. Thanks for the $10 donation. Square Peg Greg, I haven't heard that one yet. And uh, Horabaugh, as, as Harbaugh is affectionately known apparently by Donovan there, both need to be replaced. Harbaugh is going to choose more of his buddies to try to fill the OC position once Greg is gone. 
too bad his friends can't coach. And hey, if we can be an emotional outlet here uh, for frustrations and whatnot, we are willing to do that. But um, I don't know. This kind of goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier on, Sarah. We, we're both going to be surprised if Steve pulls the plug on, on Harbs. And um, I think we're both in agreement, though, that it seems as if it is more than run its course with Greg at the offensive coordinator position. But to go back to what Sarah brought up earlier, and I think it's a really interesting conversation that we'll probably be talking about this offseason, unless something unforeseen takes place with Lamar's negotiations. Can you hire someone outside of your organizational walls when you do not have a long-term solution and or plan for your quarterback? I think that's super compelling. And I feel like we're going to be doing a vault episode on that in the next month. (laughs) (laughs) Or several. Yeah. I mean, if it were an in-season change with Greg Roman, then yeah, you would have to do internal. But if, 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 if Harbaugh makes a change, um, it, I hope he casts a wide net. I would just want, I would just love to be a fly on the wall to listen to different football minds come in and interview for a job like that and talk about what they could see Lamar Jackson doing and how they would help, you know, re unlock the magic that we saw during his MVP year. Uh, but that would be highly disappointing if they made a, an, an off season change and then only promoted from within. That would be very disappointing. I would agree. Let's see. You want to give everybody some love for showing us some donational love tonight. Ravens owes nation $2 donation as someone who lives in PA. I'm, I'm calling tomorrow. I'm not sure what you're calling. You can call us. I mean, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to pick up, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, recently, Sarah, you know, this is pretty funny. A listener of ours recently, I can't I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head. And I, I'm sure he's a great guy, but I was relatively creeped out by this. I got a random call from a four, four, three number. And as someone who like, I don't know, I handle some of our like backend um, business related things that were what we do, whether it's like working with brands or whatever. So I try to pick them up. You know, it's always like the optimist in me is if I'm not feeling very optimistic tonight, the, the optimist in me like, Oh, I better pick this up. You know, it could be a great opportunity for us. And this, this time, I swear to God, it was a, a listener reaching out to introduce himself and he wanted me to wear one of his shirts on the next stream and he wanted to meet up. And I was just like, you know, I, I know this guy, I'm sure like it, the optimist in me wants to, to feel like as somebody who grew up in a, in a small town, right? We, we left all of our doors unlocked. I'm sure this guy is not going to harm me if I go meet up with him in a, in a, a grocery store parking lot. But there's also really a percentage over here that he could kill me. You know what I mean? like, and, and then I realized I sent it to the family group chat and my mom was like, Bobby, your personal website, we had to take it down because you're, you're, your resume <laughs> growing up as like, a, you know, like during college, I put up a resume and, you know, you want to get internships and everything. I put my personal cell phone out there and little did I know it was still out there on the Internet. Anyway. Yeah. And you do pick up. I, I literally I mean, I pick up maybe one percent of calls if I don't have the number plugged into my phone. So you even picking up is a nice guy. You know, you're being nice. So. I've heard too many stories where people are calling you. I'm glad that thing has been taken down because there were too many people reaching out to you. I was like, I'm really flattered by it, but it's it's also like really creepy. You know? <laughs> and then I had to kind of like, my, my, my mom's been on me about it since. So I'll, I'll post like when I'm walking the dog or something where, where I live in Baltimore. And she's yeah. like, Bobby, you know, like I know exactly 
like where you are. People know where you are at all times. I'm like, oh, all right, well, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so that's a little 1 a.m. tangent for you as it, as it hits 101 a.m. here. Anything that we haven't covered yet before shutting it down, partner? No, I just see the last super chat here from, is it Cheeky? What are your dream head coaches, Bobby and Sarah? I am not there at 101 a.m. Uh, I... <laughs> Cheeky's not going to be happy with me. I like John Harbaugh. I, I don't like Greg Roman. I like John Harbaugh. He, uh, you know, people got so mad when we put out this stat last week, or I put it out, or I don't, I don't remember where people got mad, but that he was one of only 19 head coaches um, to have uh, as many winning seasons as he's had, 10 win-plus seasons. Uh, the fact that he, I've – the closest he's gone to losing a locker room, I think, was his first year or that Super Bowl year uh, where there was, you know, the quote unquote mutiny. I remember interviewing about it. I interviewed Ray Lewis about it. I interviewed so many people about it. And, um, you know, they talked about how he changed and uh, was able to kind of like meet players, this and that. Um, but I, I just see these guys playing hard for him nonstop, nonstop working hard. Nobody turns on each other, really. Um, the fact that they're consistently uh, in playoff contention, I like that. So I would first like to see uh, the Ravens change an offensive coordinator, and I would first like to see them actually invest in the wide receiver position <clears throat> outside of draft picks. Um <clears throat> Those would be my, my first two moves that I would do to, to, to make change. Oh my super goodness. Now we're getting features. more super chats. I thought we were wrapping up and we just got more. <laughs> the, the super chat features are coming in and we feel the love and we feel the love yes, so do. much. So that I'm going to use this one right here to answer like a ton of Facebook questions that I got tonight, Sarah. And I think you're going to appreciate this. Do you mind if we go for a couple more minutes and have a little fun end to our a little sure. impromptu fun end, which I think is going to probably <laughs> I think you're going to get a good kick out of this. Anyway, Jordan, Ronnie, Greg, we appreciate the, uh, the late super chat features. Donations means a lot, obviously. And uh, every little bit counts. And, and, you know, we're having an absolute blast building this. So happy new year to all of you and, and yours at home. But uh, so, so I put up a confession Facebook post tonight, oh. partner. Yes. And uh, what did you confess? It read, it, it read, paraphrasing, that uh, we went out last night in upstate New York, my hometown, with the bros. And my younger brother's birthday is New Year's Eve, and his one wish was to go out with his siblings. So I said, Well, <laughs> I need to get back down to Baltimore for this game to do, but. I'm happy to do that. You know, whatever my, the middle brother had his girlfriend visiting for only the second time. So it was a good opportunity to meet her. And as we all know, when the ball drops and it's new year's Eve, the kiss tends to happen at midnight. Uh oh, uh -oh. okay. I'm standing in a bar alone. My brother's with his significant other. My youngest brother, whose birthday it was, was nowhere to be found. And I kid you not. Okay. It's a dark bar. I kid you not. As it hits midnight, I go to like, I don't know, film myself just being like, yo, I'm a loner status, newly single. Like what's up. And, uh, literally like, like Patrick queen jumped that route a couple weeks ago. 
right? And it was like a heck of a play, and he saw it the whole time. This this woman came out of nowhere. <laughs> she was towering. She was towering over me. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding you. I'm looking up like this. And, and everybody, okay, as Sarah once told me when I, like, walked to the other end of my studio, and it was, like, the first time that she and I ever did this stream, I'm not a tall guy, all right? I'm, like, 5'8 with, with shoes on and on a good day. And um, Sarah, she she like grabbed my face and and I just I didn't know what was going on. And we went in for the kiss. And next thing I know, she bites my lower, oh my, my lower lip. I'm serious. She she bit my lower lip so hard. And I was like, what is happening? And, and then she held on and like it was aggressive and passionate. And I was just like. This is not how I expected 2023 to begin, but if this is indicative of what it's going to be, then I'm here for it and let's freaking do it. And then literally in one fluid motion, she, she looked at me like seductively and walked away and I never saw her again. Oh my gosh. Do you, you don't think she knows who you are? Like, I just need her to reach out to the show. I need her. I have to meet her. I need her on the show. It has to happen. Let's play. I mean, look, we were in Albany, New York. For those of you who followed followed me right. for a while, you know I'm from upstate New York. It is a they call it small Albany for a reason. So there's a good chance that maybe she knew me through my life up there. But like, I, I mean, I don't know. Is she a Ravens fan? I, I don't know. But it was the it was one of those moments where you're just kind of like, I don't know why it was me. Like, it was it just the timing wise. <laughs> You know, like, well, then you say me? you were, were you the only single guy there? That's the way you made it sound. I mean, no, there were couples okay. that I was surrounded by, but like, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, I just thought it'd be a great way to close out our second day, yes. first day post New Year's podcast. Yes. Yeah, that? that's a great way. I'll just say this. I thought that story's about to take a turn because you're telling me about the the new year's kiss and then suddenly you said patrick queen's name i'm like whoa where is this going where is this going but did so you see did, how i intersected the two yeah, yeah i did i did i i was patient and saw it through but that is hilarious she just grabbed your face and went for it that is and then left and then left honestly i kind of respect the hustle like yeah. <laughs> she knew what she wanted in that moment. She knew the way that she wanted to begin her year. And while I have some questions as to whether or not she's a sight for sore eyes, I respect the hustle. And uh, that's that. All right. Well, on that note, it's a great way let's to shut to it down. Yeah, let's shut it down let's, right now. And why don't we just finish up with just reminding everybody what the uh, where things stand with the seating. And obviously now the Monday night football game being a little bit more uh, meaningful in terms of whether or not the regular season finale will be meaningful uh, for Cincinnati and Baltimore. So as Jonas Schaefer tweeted out earlier, the Ravens path to a number five seed and with tonight's loss, last night's loss, I should say, they are now the sixth seed, but the path to a five would be Cincinnati beating Buffalo uh, on Monday night football the Ravens beating the Bengals in their regular season finale and the Broncos beating the Chargers in week 18 as well. Otherwise, it's a uh, number three seed or a number six seed and a road trip to, as Jonah says, one of the AFC's big three. Like we've talked about, you got to go through the gauntlet no matter what. 
but it's going to be on the road. It's going to be against teams that are just built different. Let's face it. They are built Buffalo, Cincinnati, and Kansas city are built different than this team right now. And uh, I hope we're proven wrong, but right now it doesn't seem like they can, they can hang with them now that it's January. No, I think the Ravens are going to finish with the sixth seed. I think they're going to start on the road with either the Bengals or bills. And um, unless Lamar Jackson is even a bigger Superman than I already consider him to be, I just don't see how it's going to be more than one and done. But, hey, that's why you play the game. This is why you play the game, as, as we know. So we'll take it one week at a time. But my prediction is week six. I mean, seed six, excuse me. All right. Well, on that note, again, it is 10 minutes past 1 a.m. Eastern here on Monday morning. We are now 17 weeks into this NFL season. We're in 2023. We have a full week coming up of, of Ravens vault morning vault episodes, all things breaking down what we just discussed. Uh, obviously whatever happens Monday night will certainly take center stage for us this week. Content wise, as always, if you haven't already done so, please consider subscribing to the Ravens vault podcast on YouTube. Let us know what you think of it. Hit us up via email at Baltimore Ravens vault at gmail.com. And we've been asking for these lately because they really mean a lot to us just in terms of um, our distribution company, blue wire. If you can take the 30 seconds to that, that it would take to uh, leave a, a review and a rating for us on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your shows, it really, really means a lot. Like you don't have to go crazy with the review, just share your, you know, your sentiments, share your words, and uh, it helps us out tremendously on the back end. So we'd really appreciate that. And uh, partner, if that's all you got, uh, let's shut it down. Let's go 2023. Let's try to make it better from here on out. But we will, uh, whatever happens, we will be covering it in 2023. That's right. So for Sarah, I'm Bobby signing off from this one. The Ravens fall to the Steelers in week 17, 16 to 13 was the final. Baltimore slips to 10 and 6. Obviously is still had, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's still postseason bound. But uh, there's still a lot left to be said and a lot left to be written about the 2022-2023 Baltimore Ravens. We will catch up with you guys soon. Thanks for hanging out with us, as always, Inside the Vault. Inside the Vault.